Welcome to our podcast here at Hope United Church. To access the live stream of our services, along with other resources and information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Well, the Gospel of John High Priestly Player, we're into this last part, and really I could get into another week, but I'm no, I'm really being disciplined. Uh, we'll close this section. Uh, this is seven parts in this uh, kind of section alone, where Jesus is praying. First, he prayed for himself, not in a selfish way, but then, as we know, there's a section where he prays for um, the apostles, the disciples, and then as we move on next week, he starts praying for all believers, which... Um, and that'll take us through another few weeks. Uh, and Jesus is here praying with the disciples. This is the end of the farewell discourse, if you like, the upper room, uh, which we have been in this whole section, I, I don't know, months now. Uh, and chapter 17, we've been in for 10 weeks. I think it's the longest since we've been, uh, since the word has been found in this church that we've spent in a chapter alone in chapter 17 and it's because it's astounding and why would we not when it's Christ praying there is no more weighty scripture in the whole of the Bible Old or New Testament than Christ lifting his heart to the Father as one and praying there is no other scripture that you'll ever read that'll have more weight or more reverence or more holiness than, than these verses uh, and as I say, after this, today we'll be in this section for seven weeks. And uh, I think as a believer personally, uh, and certainly the last four years, I've, I've never read anything that carries such weight and such depth as these verses. To the point of view, as you go, you, you really need to go back and listen to them to get the weight of each verse. Uh, and often what happens is because the verses are so weighty and there's so much detail, even in one line, one, one statement, even in the spaces, you know, as Christ prays, sometimes you, you can miss the flow of the, the, whole, uh, the whole prayer. Uh, so maybe come the end of this, we maybe just go through it just one week and just go through a flow of the prayer. Because when you stop and start, it sometimes can be a bit disjointed no but we're trying to kind of keep it coherent so the good thing is when we're speaking every week is is that we can go upstream the week before and give a kind of overview as we flow into the next bit uh, but we'll conclude this section this morning let me read what we spoke of last week and <coughs> then read through to verse 19 where we'll conclude this morning um, Christ prays I have given them your word and the whole world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I have also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by truth. We touched in verse 15 last week. Uh, let me read it again. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Um, Jesus had a mission on earth and, and so do we. And it's the same message. The message is no different. Jesus is the saviour of the world. And here he's praying that the apostles and then in turn us that, that we will testify of all whom Jesus is and all he came to do. They and all believers are, as we know, we face intense hatred for the gospel's sake. The church for years, I think I was talking to somebody the other day there and they were just saying, you know, the church is just... But apart from the last 19, 20 months, I think the church get really comfortable uh, much of the church get really comfortable, no fighting anything, never battling anything, never never facing anything. No like that they've faced in the last 20 months. Who could have thought that, no, that this tumbleweed would manifest to what it is in the last 20 months? Uh, 
And it's a real wake-up call, as we know, for the church. It really is, but it's really put the cat amongst the pigeons, if you like, and it's, um, it's sanctifying the church. Uh, it's cleansing the church. It's seen where we're at, and, it, and it's proved. Uh, and some might be a slow burners, you know, because they've not been sparring for a while. I think in a church is always fighting, then, then when it comes under a fight, you're kind of up for it. Uh, but you've got churches that's just so passive. and So when it's came to a fight, they, many of them may then end up joining the fight, but they're no half taking their time. <laughs> they're, they're no half hiding with the supplies while, 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 while the church is going through such devastation, if you like, and such persecution. Uh, and our job then is, as believers, as Christ prays first for the apostles, is, is that, that no matter what happens, that we will continue to share the gospel. Us, the, the apostles, and us, we're going to face intense hatred. For the gospel's sake, Jesus is praying it. It's going to happen. Jesus has prayed it. Jesus knows this. But he also does not pray that we are removed from it. To be removed from it is therefore no longer to serve Christ. Judas, the son of perdition, has yielded his life to Satan as Jesus prayed, except the son of perdition, except the son of wrath. So Jesus is saying, you know, you're not going to be lost. You're not going to be lost due to persecution. But he's praying that the apostles don't allow the Satan's schemes in any way affect their call and purpose. You know, you have this a lot in churches, don't you? Just in a thought here, you know, vision. The church I see, visions and all that. I've never, I can't comprehend that, to be honest with you, because you start declaring what you think you are and what you're not. Listen, it's dead simple what your purpose is, just in case, what's your purpose? I'm not quite sure. You see, in the pragmatic church, it's always about trying to find out what you're trying to do, what you're meant to be doing, in it? Listen, just keep up the ghost. You don't need to worry about what you're trying to do. This is what you're here today. Declare Christ, okay? Get rid of self, declare Christ, okay? Everything else is just tinsel and baubles and a permutation of that. No, just, but I'm trying to figure out what my call is about it. No, I'm trying to, honestly. Churches are obsessed with that. We're having a find, find your fit night. You know, honestly, they'll call it something different, you know, but it's really find your fit, find your call, find your purpose. And many have been in part of that kind of whole movement in the pragmatic church. We wear it. Where you're going, where am I? What, what am I meant to be doing? They've found out what they're meant to be doing, but what am I meant to be doing? I don't know. And somebody's like, well, I know I'm a singer because I sing, and I know I'm a chef because I can make steak pie. No, all that nonsense. You're like, it's irrelevant. And see, once you get away from that stuff, you're like, what are you trying to achieve here? I know, what's my call? Oh, if I had to say hands up, if you were running about that stuff, you'd be like, aye, horrible. Always trying to find my call and always trying to find your call, compare it to somebody else. Usually some woman that should be at home, but instead she's on the platform telling you what you should be trying to achieve. That's what gets you into trouble, that stuff right there. <laughs> but it's true. That causes all sorts of problems and all sorts of comparing. And the key here in Jesus' prayer at this point is... <clears throat> To not allow Satan's schemes to affect them and somehow make you think that your call and your purpose is anything other than what Jesus did. That is it. Same thing. Exact same. Even, even in the point of view, Jesus even says, you know what, you must deny yourself, your selfish ambition and pick up your cross and follow me. Whatever Jesus did, we've to do. Now, okay, I can just hear someday some charismatic saying, does that mean heal everybody? No. You get my point. So Christ prays, keep them from the evil one. Or you could say this, keep their minds on the mission. No matter what comes into your world. And I found this as I've been studying this week challenging, especially in light of what you can be fighting. So there's two, there's two sides of the coin here, okay? You've maybe got some of the church at the moment, and we're in this time, so I, I, well, you've maybe got some of the church at the moment, eh, uh, 
kind of saying, well, we don't want to get distracted with what's going on in the world. We're keeping the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. We're keeping the main thing, the main thing. We're not allowing all that's going on in the world and lockdowns and vaccines and vaccine passports and masks, mandates and flipping Nora. No, we're not allowing that to distract us. We're keeping the main thing, the main thing. And you think, well, in terms, in a sense, that's right. But in another sense, we've not allowed the world, he's Satan, to go and overthrow everything. But the problem is, is sometimes as it's in the other side, which is much of this church is fighting the other stuff, we get so carried away with that stuff that we forget what the mission is. And this is the, this is what Jesus is praying. He is praying this at this time. He's going, we understand that you need to maintain truth and stand in truth and speak truth and declare truth. But for some of us, the danger is, is that we're so declaring a truth that we're we're forgetting to bring the gospel with us. And for others, and when you do that, do you know what happens? See them it's camp, see them it's camping in comfort. The Christians at camping in comfort. You almost give them an excuse for no longer fighting. Do you understand what I'm saying there? You almost give them an excuse. Well, look, they're, they're, they've, they've went rogue with us. They're going rogue with us because they're not bringing the gospel with them. And the key is when we're facing persecution and hardship and with the standing truth is, is that we don't keep fighting truth and fighting politics. Well ignoring, well ignoring the gospel, which can happen. Oh, people start asking, you know, you spend time with people and talking about conspiracies and all this stuff. Some it's no conspiracies. Uh, spending time with all this stuff, and you're like, I've not heard you talking about Jesus once, but I've heard you talking about climate change. I've heard you talking about this, that, and the next thing, but I've not heard you mentioning Jesus. And that's a challenge for us who want to stand in truth. I'm not criticising, it's a challenge. And then for others, it's a challenge because they just go, well, Jesus is good. Jesus is all good. Jesus is, no. And then they just become this passiveness. So I think in this, as we get to this part of the prayer, Jesus is really explaining both. And he's explaining what we need. If Satan can't get you to stop following Christ, and we know that Satan can't stop that for the elect, because Jesus just prays before it. That apart from the son of perdition, none of you will be lost. So for us who are elect and called and set apart, it's no elite. You know, people say this, don't they? You hear this in church, you know, election sounds like elitist. It does if you don't understand election. If you understand election, you know you're anything but elite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, election sounds like a bit like elite or... Uh, I don't know MD understands election that feels elite. It's the opposite, isn't it? Anyways, we move on. Because he can't remove us from that, nor take us out of the grip, nor they'll not lose any, Christ says. Satan's then plan is that he will do all he can, either make you silent, which is this part that I mentioned earlier, or the other part, and often which just as damaging or at times more damaging. Take you into a battle that will start to distort and hijack the gospel message. And for us who stand in truth and, is a bit, and a bit more vocal, whether you're here this morning or listening online, you, you have to be careful in so many other things as well. Because you can go so far that way that you start, you don't take the gospel with you. So when Jesus says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, it's important to know what Jesus is saying and the prayer is, don't allow Satan to distort and take us off course. Satan would love you to just talk about vax or non-vax forever. He does not care. We think, oh, well, I'm fighting that, I'm fighting that. Seriously. He doesn't care that you're talking about that stuff as long as it, because he knows it's not the gospel. It's a truth, but it's no the truth. And he doesn't mind you talking about that. In fact, it can be something so fleshy that that's all we talk about. And especially the longer you're in it, 
This is no a division between name it see truth and name it don't see truth in this last 20 months. It's name it see truth, name it don't see truth, and name it get hijacked with truth that they start declaring another truth. And name it don't declare any. You come to church on a Sunday, many years and you're, you're banging on all week. Come to church on a Sunday and it takes that to kind of get you in line with what your purpose is. Come Monday, you're back in Tweetsville. You just need to look through some posts and you just go like that. You never mentioned Jesus, but you definitely keep on mentioning Klaus Schwab or whoever. And that's okay that we talk about some of that stuff. But here, I'm here to declare this morning, that's also the work he's saying. To keep you in that. If we're going to, be, if we're going to fight, what if we fight? Sorry, what'd you say? Correct, the good fight of faith. Can we honestly say at times we're caught in that? Was Christ in that? Was Christ, was that even statement in a Christ-like manner? Did it, did it have the tone of Christ? Did it have the reflection in Christ? Did it have the spirit of Christ? No, but it was truth. But if you lose that, And it's a, it's, a, it's a warning and a wake-up call in a sense here. Good. I don't know about you, but I'm delighted about it. I need it. Because I'd fight Goliath. But that's running about chopping ears off. And sometimes we don't want to talk about that. We go, well, I don't want to be pacified. Correct. So it's not that the disciples would be lost or lose their salvation because they can't, even though Satan might try that card with you. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I might be saved. I don't know. Listen, I don't, I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be working out our salvation with fear and trembling. But, that, but we have to settle that when we're elect, we're called, we're chosen, we're set apart or being set apart is maybe better as we get through this. But it won't stop the enemy doing all he can to make you think you're no saved. And it won't stop the enemy trying to infiltrate your life to make you act no saved. Amen. Oh. And he's acted no saved this week. But can we just, I don't even go this week, can we just start this morning? <laughs> do we need, can, do, do we need, do, do, I, I, listen, can we not rewind the clock? Can we just go a couple of minutes? No. Can we just go in the motor in the way to church? And that's Satan's next plan if we can't do that. So Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not praying that you'll be taken out of the world. I'm praying that you, because we're sent here, we're called ones, we're sent out ones. We're people of the way to bring the word to the world, to be salt and light to the world. Therefore, he's not going to pray that we're removed from that. He prays that we'll not be affected by the schemes of the devil. Well, we're doing it. And so I'm trying to infiltrate our lives. And I think sometimes, and I think God's timing and his word's so precious that I'm so grateful that you just hit these things at the right time, I think, because uh, I said this to a guy once and he nearly, honestly, he nearly, I was going to say he choked in his penguin, but it was me that was eating the penguin, he was having something else. And he says, I says, truth's only truth in its time. And honestly, a guy nearly had a heart attack. He's like, truth, 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 truth. But there's such a thing, of course it is, but you heard truth before, but sometimes when it hits, and as you go through God's word, there's times when you hit that thing and it just seems to, because of the sanctifying work of the word, the timing's perfect for what you need at that point. And you could have heard this months ago or years ago, but it wouldn't have the same effect because you're not at the same position then. It's not that it wasn't the truth then, it just didn't have the same effect. So Satan will try and create, and Jesus' prayer is, is that how that we'll not be drawn into the evil schemes or by the evil one, by creating chaos. So that we don't keep preaching the gospel. 
And this is why the sanctifies, and we'll get into this in verse 17, the sanctification of the word is so important. Because there's so many things in our life that, that, that can infiltrate our life, our work, our personal relationships, marriages, kids, all sorts of stuff that's trying to infiltrate, that Satan will use to infiltrate, that we don't even see as Satan's schemes to try and stop us keeping the main thing the main thing if you like I don't like saying that word because it's dead pragmatic but you know what I mean verse 16 Jesus prays they are not of the world just as I am not of the world and as verse 15 flows into this and the connection of what Christ saying in, in, in verse 15 Hendrickson puts it this way he says, what Christ is saying is grant that these disciples may not enter into the domain of Satan. Into the domain of Satan. That's kind of what, that's what Jesus is praying here. And I would, I would totally concur with Hendrickson. That we'll not be took into Satan's domain. Meaning, into Satan's territory. Or into what he controls and has rule over. And here is where we must lean in Christ's prayer and remember this prayer. You know, and this is a wonderful thing about the word. We can lean on this prayer and continue to meditate in this prayer. Because it's so easy for a believer to be entrapped in Satan's domain. They're a great battle in Satan's domain in all, in all types. Whether you're, you think you're fighting for truth or whether you're getting caught up in the sinful desires or whatever it may be. But it's so easy for us to get caught up in Satan's domain. Or within what he has control over. I was reading Thomas Brooks this week and he was talking about, remember I talked about hovering over sin and he was talking about just kind of dancing round about the pit. More or less, I'm paraphrasing. Dancing round about the pit, thinking that you'll no fall in. You'll fall in, all right. And see, the thing is, it'll be, it'll be God's mercy that's made you fall in, in a sense. Because hovering, often, see, he, he can't stop, but often what happens in temptation is, is that there's a lot of hovering, there's a lot of hanging on about the pit before you fall in. Any he's relive a resentment. There you go. He said, she said, but I said, and I'll be telling them, no chance. That one. Ah, but then they said that. I don't worry if they said that. This is by the nobody's in the room, you. Ah, but then they says that. I'm not worrying what they said. I'll be saying that back to them. I wish I said that. I'll be saying that the next time. No problem. I'll be saying it. I'll be saying it. Nobody else he said. No, no, nobody there. Just you yourself in the room. You yourself in the room. Nobody else. I used to fight. I used to fight with a pillar. This is how insane I was. I used to fight with a pillar. Do you get in yet? Do you get in yet? There's nobody there. Do you get in yet? Shadow boxing in the room myself. Do you get in yet? Do you get in yet? That's virgin own demonic. Never mind hovering around about the pit. And Satan has many ways and schemes in that domain. This is why Paul says, what does Paul say? Put on the full armour of God. In fact, let's go quickly to Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, or we'll read it through a bit more. Uh, I was looking at my notes in this for your study, which is great. I actually was looking at my notes and then I was on YouTube looking at the message, but I noticed I've took loads down. And I bet you the media guys don't know that yet, but they're getting revelation today that they've took a lot down because they're inappropriate. So we're going to have to get back in and look. So I just left that one for the message to tell you. I could have told you on the phone, but I never. So they've took loads down as inappropriate. We're going to have to be careful about messages we put up. I'm just sharing the gospel. I'm just sharing Ephesians study. Exegeting, exegeting Ephesians word for word. And half of the messages have been took down as inappropriate. There you go. So we'll need to find another way that you can get these. See, this is a battle. This is a battle that you're in. Thank God that we've wrote these messages down. Find a way to get them into people's hands. One of the biggest, one of the things that will happen in the future, just know to get hijacked here is, is see when you start using worldly platforms to give God's message. Seriously. 
Don't you have to stop using God's plat worldly platforms to get God's message out? I'm talking here as far as media, multimedia goes, okay? Because, see, the thing is, they control that. Do you think Satan's going to keep it up? You might be like, ah, but he allowed it up for years, I know, but we're living in a different time. Yeah. He certainly never took any of our message down when we were pragmatic. Yeah, they were up everywhere. They were getting hits left, right and centre, eh? And it's, no, it's only when you start preaching the word that they get tucked in. They never get tucked in when we were preaching another gospel. And why would they? Anyway, Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For what? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness and this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the what? heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. How similar is this to the prayer? And having done all, what? Stand. John MacArthur says this, the greatest enemy is not the world we see, but the world we cannot see. Ever had a reflection at the end of your rant? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I should, I should, I should, I, I shouldn't. You could write loads of things on my epitaph, but I think one of them could be, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or I could have said that better. And you know why it was said? Because when you think about it, it's not what you say and saying truth. Because some people will go, oh, that was harsh. No, we're not on about that. We're not on about people starting to tell you what's truth and what's no truth. You're on about your own conscience. Your own spirit knows when it was over hijacked when you could have been more Christ-like. Obviously, you can have a vulnerability thing on you when, when you have spoke the truth that you can feel nervous. The sanctifying work of God helps. The sanctifying work of the Word helps you differentiate that. If some of you can't kind of differentiate between telling the truth and feeling, and feeling guilty about it and telling the, the truth and feeling uh, rejected by it compared to telling the truth that wasn't in a Christ-like manner, Know this, the sanctifying work of God and his word will be able to help you differentiate that. Some of you are still at the journey and the stage of your journey now that you can't differentiate that because you've got any level in guilt. So you feel guilty every time you tell the truth because you're no yet, we're not yet at the stage of maturity where we can understand the difference between speaking the truth in love and feeling guilty because somebody was offended by what you said. See, this is the work of the word. That does this. Only the work of the word, as we'll see. But as Paul says, this is why we have to put on what? The full armour of God. In order to withstand the wiles and the schemes of Satan. The Greek word is <laughs> methodia. You don't need to go very far to thin out with that word. That comes to you in English. Method. The wiles is the methods. Of Satan. And without us being fully covered in all aspects, we will not be able to capture Satan's what? Methods. Only being fully, fully armoured will you capture Satan's methods. Hence why we have to put on the full armour of God before we speak, act, fight, defend ourselves. And everything, but we don't, didn't we know? Too quick, too quick, didn't we? Too quick at responding, thinking that you're defending the truth. Amen? How often do you respond thinking you're defending the truth when you've not put on the full armour before you've even defended that truth? No realising these methods. Many times you reflected back when you thought you had the full armour of God on. You reflect back, you thought you had the full armour of God on, but you've got a disease. You're like, I thought I had the full armour of God on there, defending truth, being a soldier of Christ. Is, that whole section in Ephesians 6, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones calls it the Christian soldier. But you didn't realise at the time that you were overran with some flesh. Emotion, too much emotion going on. 
Think you're, thinking you're standing in truth and you were just being emotional. And you look back and you see, you realise that I simply get caught up in Satan's methods there and I never even noticed I was getting caught up in method because I thought I was defending truth. I thought I was standing in the word. I thought I was, I thought I was standing for freedom. I thought I was standing up for my right. I thought I was valuing myself. But yet when we look at it, at times we can look and say, was the full armour of God on or was, were these certain bits pushed aside? Because your flesh started to call the shots. Never, ever has it pushed aside to become more Christ-like though, is it? Never. Justify why you see it. Justify where you think it. Justified why you've posted it. Justified why you've done it. Justified why you're fighting the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. Listen, some people are fighting the good fight. Never seen such, never seen such lack of love and Christ likeness in your fighting the good fight of faith. <coughs> Satan's got a greater tactic. He uses the flesh-filled believer. See, this is even a greater tactic than he does. So Satan's no satisfied. Um, and you'll, you, you'll see this as it, as it reflects in your life. There's nobody gets on your nerves more than a heretical believer. There's nobody that can make you more, more unlike Christ than somebody who's not representing Christ well. Am I right? I know, I know we Betty. Four doors down, does your boxing, right? Okay. Because she does your boxing all the time. But you know that there's nothing and a true believer we're trying to defend the gospel that really can get under your skin more than somebody who's no defending the gospel. Satan is a great tactic. He uses the flesh full believer. Why do you think Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you so often? Why does he say, be as one as me and the Father are one? Which he echoes through this whole verse. Not like, nothing like a so-called believer to get another believer into a fleshy battle. And then, well, for me anyway, non-believers don't get under my skin near as much as them who claim to be righteous. Yeah? That's a devil's tactic, and it's, or it's one of them. He wants to wrestle you to the ground so that he can stand over you in victory. Palais. I think there's something in real wrestling that I think a move's called palais. It might not be wrestling, it, but it's one of the mixed martial arts something anyway, you know. Uh, palais. It means to grab somebody with the neck, get them to the ground, and then stand over the top of them in victory. That's what Satan wants to do with your life. Parlay you to the ground. To endeavour to hold you down by the neck so you don't get oxygen at the brain. And you really talk nonsense. And the problem with Satan's method is to cause us to wrestle with people. Yeah. And then what do we do? We hold them down. And declare victory over them by our brilliant debating. Yeah, we need the full armour of God, people. Lest we succumb to Satan's methodia. He dealing with things. Lest we start fighting in the flesh. And what, what, do we, what, what happens when we fight in the flesh? Who do we tear down? The flesh. Paul says we're no fighting flesh and blood. And Satan will always use flesh to come at you. He loves nothing more than that. As he knows that a believer who does not put on the full armour. Is the one whom he can use to attack another believer. Do you hear that? And get him into a flesh fight. Satan knows that a believer that won't put on the full armour of God will be a nightmare to another believer 
as they get caught on it. How many times have I seen it in church? Constant counselling, counselling. They fell out. We need to talk. We're having a harmony meeting. We're having a clear the air meeting. She doesn't get on with her because she was making tea last week and her boy's not getting on the drums. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Isn't it? Getting into a flesh fight. This is why Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. When you see a so-called believer attacking their brethren, you know that Satan's wrestled them to the ground and has grabbed them by the neck and is standing over them in victory. Because it's, I don't have a problem with God, I have a problem with him. Really? I don't have a problem with God or the church, I have a problem with her. Really? Really, that's what you think? I love God and I love, I love God and I love these words. I just am no into church. Really? Satan's wrestled you to the ground and is standing over you in victory. But he doesn't just leave it there, does he, people? No, 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 no. He then gets them up and sends them out. To then hover in the church and cause division and trouble. Why? Why has he done that? Why has he been able to take us down and hold us by the neck and stand over us in victory? Because we've either refused or no endeavoured or been distracted and stopped putting on the full armour of God. He'll use it first to defeat you, then use it in an attempt to get another believer to take off their own ar armour and get into a different kind of fight with you. As we mature as believers, it's, this is why it's so important that we... There's so much counsel in the church that's not even biblical, isn't there? Isn't there? Don't you think there's so much unbiblical counsel in the church instead of biblical counsel in the church? We must be ever vigilant that the enemy really wants our armour off. He wants the armour off. Paul goes on to write to the church in Ephesus and he says this as he moves on. Stand therefore. This is the armour of God. What, what, what's the first thing? Having girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well there's none righteous, none one, so that's only in Christ. And having shod the feet with the preparation of the gospel of what? Peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to what? Quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword which is the spirit, which is what? The word of God. You have but one weapon, people. I know you think you've maybe got loads of weapons. You don't. You've got one, the word of God. Anything else other than that's not a weapon. Anything else other than that is not the armour of God. All other armours that he make, the word do its work. To protect the word, to allow the word to do its work. So it doesn't become blunt or hidden or misused in any way. See, the word gets misused when there's no truth. The word gets misused when there is no breastplate of righteousness. See, the word starts to get misused when we don't have the gospel shoes, when we're camping in the last oasis we came to. You could just go through them. And then he says this in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is what Christ did in front of the disciples at this moment. Exactly what Paul's saying. He's praying for them to persevere with the supply they've been given and be always watchful. And he's praying for the Father to watch over them. And prayer doesn't just protect us. Prayer is the armour we give to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Okay. Prayer doesn't just protect us. Prayer is the armour we bestow upon our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why Christ praying for us. I love Paul, Apostle Paul. I think when we finish John, we'll just need to get into another letter because I love Paul so much. There is no man who's any more like Christ. You read that part in Ephesians 6 and you just think, that echoes John 17. So why do we pray? And he, as he says, pray. As I said, doesn't he just protect us? It protects the armour of our fellow soldiers in Christ. For what? For what? Well, Paul tells us, for the purpose. What purpose? Verse 19 and 20, and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known what? The mystery of the gospel. For which I am what? An ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The, the armour of God is to speak boldly the word of God. No he be caught up with the wiles of Satan, but to declare the word. And we need the full armour so we can continue with the full work. And just like Christ prayed to the Father that we are not taken out of the world. Here the apostle himself says, I'm not praying that you get me out of jail. I'm an ambassador for Christ in these chains. I'm an ambassador for Christ in persecution. I'm an ambassador for Christ in my troubles. And the sanctifying work of the word makes you like Christ in what? Every season. I know what it's like to have plenty. I know what it's like to have nothing. What does Paul say? I've learned the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things due to the word. And he prays himself that he'll be kept. No. Prayed continually. Get me out of jail. Get me out of jail. Just as Jesus says, I just pray that you'll be kept from the evil one. Know that you'll not be in chains. And there's a big difference between fighting to try and get out of chains and declaring the gospel well in the chains. And some of you need to know the difference there and that's part of Satan's game plan. I'm going to make you fight to get out of chains rather than fight and declare the gospel well in chains. Balance. The more I read Paul's letters, the more I get through this prayer, the more I just see Paul totally imitating Christ. He writes, pray that I will be bold. Doesn't he? What he's saying, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, pray for me. Pray that I'll be bold with the gospel regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my emotions, regardless of my outward uh, Life and pray that my speech is declaring Christ always. And at this moment, as Paul says us, you know why he's praying this prayer? And he's asking, he's writing back to the church in Ephesus, as you'd say, to pray for him for that. Because Paul lives for the gospel alone. So when he's in jail, he's no thinking. If he, Paul, imagine that, see if Paul had to write back, pray, this is what somebody would ask, pray that, pray that the prison gets blew up. Pray, like the, pray that every one of the guards die. Right. This is the kind of type of stuff we pray on it. Pray, pray, that, pray that they all fall asleep, the door opens, they forget to lock the door and they get free. All that stuff, you start praying. That's not what Paul prays. And the reason that, and he doesn't pray that prayer, he prays that he would be bold regardless. Because see at the time, see, because Paul's only got one focus. Paul's thinking, I'm going to get these guards saved. <laughs> That's what's in Paul's mind. I'm going to win these guards for Christ. If I'm put here, I'm going to win these guards for Christ. If I get caught up in another fight and start praying other things and desiring other things and declaring injustice and declaring this and declaring that, I'm going to forget that I could win these men for Christ. Who need the message at the time? The guards, the Roman guards who were holding them hostage. And therefore he doesn't have his mind distorted with what? Discomfort. 
How much can your mind get distorted with discomfort? His mind's not distorted with pain, loss. The minute that starts happening, the whole countenance changes in our prayer. And that would cause him no longer to see the prison guards and no longer to be like Christ towards them. But see them as an enemy to get took down so he can get free. Imagine his prayer. Imagine Paul's prayer was, pray that you get these guards to change their mind. Pray they leave the door unlocked, as I says. Pray they get struck down by lightning, just, just the name of it. I used to get in fights when I was young for opening my mouth too much, honestly. And you always get somebody went like, are you fighting John Jameson at the end of, are you fighting John Jameson, just make up my name, you fighting John Jameson at half four, aye, he's as hard as nails. Right, now, when I, in the heat of the moment, I was all right. But two hours later, John, I found out John Jameson is the world's greatest fighter in the world, in the planet. Right, what do you start praying? God, just make, honestly, some of my prayers to get John Jameson, not to fight John Jameson, would be horrendous. God, just pray that he has to get him. His most took no well. <laughs> His most took no well. Get John Jameson. No one face anything. No, that unrestrained fear. Just, just pray that John Jameson, he, he, he has an accident. He, 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 he needed the toilet and he wets his cell. He has to get home and can he fight me? Do you know what I mean? Anything but face it. Paul never removed his helmet. Salvation. Never removed his helmet. Salvation. Never removed the belt of truth. Never removed. Here's the thing. He's in prison and never removed his gospel shoes. I think that's one. I know we take off the belt of truth, but see straight after, it's usually the shoes, isn't it? I'm like, right. I thought you're going to declare Christ. No, I'm not declaring Christ anew. I've got other things on my mind. You want to put your gospel shoes up? Never mind the gospel shoes. This, or you maybe say this if you're anything like me and really prideful this is still the gospel really really that, that's the gospel just justifying it never removes his blessed prayer of righteousness never removes his shield of faith that made his sword continually sharp and be able to declare it never tried to get free from jail but got all who was taking care of him and guarding them, getting them to know Jesus. The pleasures of life, resentments, blame, is it laziness? What what is it that makes you take off the armor of God? Fellow believers who rile you, governments who tell lies. And man who doesn't give you enough love, not getting enough recognition, boss who doesn't praise you enough. Where is it? Is it the pursuit of man and the acceptance of man? Fear of offending? Is it money like Judas? That makes you compromise. All these things that cause distraction and make us take off the armour of God uh, is what Christ's praying for. There are all the things that make you compromise and do stuff. You put in the armour of God and you know, I posted the other day, but I, I, listen, it depends where you live about parents over-comforting sin because of their own shame and then creating an absolute nightmare for them who declare the word. I've been in church long enough to notice how many kids absolutely resent the preacher. Can't stand them. They think you don't notice. Can't stand the preacher. And they can't stand the preacher because the parent can't cope that their child's a sinner. So therefore comfort and protect it.
And all these things is what cause you to put off the armour of God. John 17, 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. One line. One line. And I could talk about it for six months. Because it means so much. What gives us the ability then, as we close, what gives us the ability? What's the tools that make us continue to put on the full armour? What is the, because you want to know, don't you? What, what is that I need to do to put on the full armour of God? Are they a method? Are they a, are they a system? Absolutely. Christ continues in his prayer. Here's the answer. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. This is why and how they'll be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. Continue to be bold in their prayers. Continue to face persecution without getting distracted and declare the gospel. Sanctify them by your word. To set apart by your word. To complete them by your word. All truth is in the word. Calvin writes this. This, is, this could have been wrote yesterday, right? He wrote this in the 16th century. He could have wrote this yesterday. For fanatics chatter emptily about sanctification. Change that word to freedom and you're, you're there. Fanatics chatter emptily about freedom. But pass over God's truth by which he consecrates us to himself. Consecrates. It's his word that devotes us to him. It's what joins us with him. It's what makes us dedicated to him. Calvin then continues. Again, as there are others who talk a lot of nonsense. I'd love to hear what Tony said, Dan. I think as you read Calvin, you almost get his tone. Is that just profound? Again, there are others who talk a lot of nonsense about the truth and yet neglect his word. Christ expressly says that the truth by which God sanctifies his sons exists nowhere but the word, end quote. Could have been wrote the day. How many claim to know the truth? They walk in the truth. It's your truth. That's, a, that's the kind of modern one, isn't it? It's your truth. How many claim to know the truth? That they walk in the truth, teach the truth, yet do not declare the gospel of Christ of Scripture. How can it be truth? Only the word sanctifies us and the truth of God and will equip us as saints. Any other means of truth? will lead to another gospel. Any other means of truth leads to another gospel, which is what? Not the gospel at all. And in fact, it's no another truth. It's that Satan has took them by the scruff of the neck and wrestled them to the ground and stands over them. He then lifts them up, sends them out into the world to declare his lies. And due to the lack of word, these false teachers and weak men have no defence because it's the word that sanctifies and it's the word that declared the truth. It's the word that allows us to stand against the methods of Satan. No man's own take. Many have been part of church and pragmatic church where man's own take never sanctified you enough to say no. It never helped you enough to know continue to be resentful and tempted and all sorts. No man's own take, not psychology. I know, I stood, I stood here and declared, I can testify of this. That it does not sanctify the human being. It didn't even sanctify me and I was teaching it. An entrepreneur, this is the one, isn't it? Entrep I'm an entrepreneurial spirit in the church. Entre I'm an entrepreneurial leadership. Entrepreneurial leadership doesn't get you over yourself. And you know the greatest battle you need to get over yourself? It does not get you to, it does not get you to say no to temptation. It does not make you strong and bold in the Lord. Do you know what it gives you? Puffed up ego. Way more than that. All those messages and tr 
motivational speeches. It leads all who dare to listen to into a trap. It leads them into a trap as well. Because you think you are changing and you think you're growing and you think you're becoming like Christ, but you're not. These gurus, pragmatic, spiritual entrepreneurs, motivational teachers are Satan's puppets gathering up the weak and weary sinners such as the like that Paul warned Timothy. Remember 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy 3, 5 and 7. Having a form of godliness but denying the power. Oh yeah, they've got a form of godliness, eh? But they deny its power. And from such people what are turned away. It puts me in mind if you ever read Proverbs, you know about Proverbs 9. It talks about the way of wisdom and the way of folly. And it talks about the woman who's standing at the door and she sets her table and she calls all who come in. She makes it look dead attractive. Yeah. Makes it look really attractive to come to her table in the church and she comes in and she fills the people with lies and her own stuff. And then it says at the end of the scripture, I'll paraphrase it, it says, little did they know that she was dead entertaining the dead. So here we go. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and for such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households. Don't church here. And make captives, what? Gullible women. Loaded down with sins. I've seen so many of this. Gullible women loaded down with sins, desperate for approval and acceptance. The worst thing that can happen there is you get one of the guru, superstar women preachers on the platform who's cutting a book like a, some out of Gucci magazine to tell you who you're going to be. And because you're so gullible and because we're often when we're broken and full of sin, we're so gullible to that stuff because we want to feel value and good and acceptable. Loaded down with sins, led away with by various lusts. Always learning. This is what always happens in this stuff. They're always a new take. My new message I'm taking around the world right then. My new message, my new take I'm taking around the world. Always learning, but never coming to know Christ. Always learning, but never coming to the truth of Christ. Why? Because there's no sharing the word. Never coming to the knowledge of truth and therefore never leading what? Never leading anyone to Christ. But into what? Satan's grip. And then they're unleashed onto the church or into the world. Why? Because they claim to know the truth beyond the word. James Montgomery Goy says, it's not about the, the, it's not about the authority of scripture that's the greatest battle in the world. The greatest battle with the church is the sufficiency. You go to any church today and they'll tell you, oh, we believe in the authority of God. We believe in the authority of God. You go to a church of Scotland, we believe in the authority of God. Ah, but you don't believe in the sufficiency of scripture because you're new changing it. You're new changing it to suit what? The world to what? To win the world. Never happens thinking they're going to what? raise up saints. They're no raising up saints. And the problem is they claim to know the truth beyond the word. You see that in the church everywhere. They know the truth beyond the word. These gurus have left the church. They know, they know beyond. They've got a big, a new download. Apostle Paul never had any. I don't know about you. Just call me simple. I just prefer what he says. I just, I don't know. I, call me simple. I just think the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament just knows a wee bit more. I, I just think he's a wee bit smarter. In fact, he's a good bit smarter. He's, he's so like Christ. Of course he's smarter. Does any Israelite, do any see this? There's no other way to describe this. See you the more you get sanctified with words. See them it teach with the word. They just become thick. You're like you're thick. That's what you think. You're like you, I, I cannot believe, because you can see it for fifty yards in the dark, can you? You're like you think that was dead intelligent. What you says there, you know, when they preach some and then they think at the end of it they go like that and Stephen Furtick and the lights they stun back and have a wee look. Like you. You thought that was smart and all them clapping. They all think it's smart and all. They don't know the word. 
And you're like, that was actually... That was nice, man. Imagine some of these guys sitting in a round table. I'd love it. I'd love it. I know. I know. I'm, I'm not trying to feed the flesh here, but I'd love it. I'd love like a John MacArthur and some of these amazing guys, though. Uh, Steve Lawson, Paul Washer, me. Nah, I'm like it. And get all these gurus up and just talk. These are the very guys. Think about here, right? This is no. This is just saying. These were the very guys that are oh, wow, amazing. Oh wow. See, when you hear them now, you're like, oh. you're like, redneck. And you know, that's the word, redneck. And even a young, see, you feed a young believer on milk. They could school them. And Anna, Anna would be like, shut it. <laughs> shut it, Charlotte. What are you talking about? Really? Youth? Oh my good, she's nine, ten. Huh? You know what I'm saying? You just like what? We as a church were led to another gospel, which is not the gospel at all, through pragmatic teaching. And I stand here and humble myself and say I take full responsibility for that. I declared an extended truth. An extended version of the word. The word plus. And that word plus. The word plus. Didn't he sanctify this church? Nor the saints in it. Nor did it equip them to fight the schemes, schemes and the wiles of the enemy. You can't stop Satan attacking your life. However, without the word, he'll not just attack you, he'll totally devour you and then spit you into the world and tell you that you know truth and you're going to start declaring that to the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Time's gone. Christ prays that God sanctifies us by his word. That's it. That's it. No, by our ideas, our own personal studies of life, of the world. No, by putting a t-shirt on that's overpriced and poorly made. It's his word. It's this word that keeps us from sharing another word. It's his word that gives us completeness to withstand Satan's lies and schemes. You're not amazed about these people that don't declare the word who think they're so aware. Who think they're so in the money. But yet the word's never sanctified them. Or them who hear it. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone is what keeps the full armour of God on your life. And the reason much of your fighting is not like Christ or Christ-like or gospel-centred is because too much of your knowledge is coming from the wrong source. Way too much listening, learning, feeding is coming from the wrong source. Therefore, so does your fighting become unchrist-like. To use guys who are fighting these in this season and these are getting resources and sources that may be right, scientifically right or whatever you're doing, be very, very wary that you don't just use them and then go run with them without putting on the full armour of God as you use them. Because otherwise all you're doing is regurgitating what the world's saying against the world. Christ saying protect them from Satan's grip and do so by making the word and turn, turn them into being like you. No matter the circumstances that the word will not depart from them as Jesus is saying. I will close with this. Do you remember when in Joshua, at the start of Joshua 
The baton was passed from Moses to Joshua. Moses is dead. Joshua's then called to walk over into the promised land and take that land that was promised to them. This is what God says to Joshua, as you'll know. Joshua 1.6. Be strong and of good courage. That's it's not a declaration. For this is the people you shall divide as an inheritance, the land which I have sworn to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the left or the right hand. This is what, this is what Christ's praying as well. That you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8 and 9. The next verse then tells you how you get, how you get that. No it's, no, it's not a Tony Robbins speech that. Be strong and of good courage. No, it's no, it's no some guy sending a wee post with an eagle on it telling you you're a superstar. That's, that's not what this is. Verse 8 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night and that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. That's how we be strong and courageous. That's how we don't turn to the left and the right. No declaring some and making somebody feel positive. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid. What causes you not to be afraid? Meditating in the word day and night. For the Lord your God will be with you where? Wherever you go. What makes us prosper? What makes us stay in course? What makes us no fear or doubt? The word. God's sanctifying work. And you said last week, Jesus is no praying a hopeful prayer. This is my close. He's no praying a hopeful prayer for, fev for the fervent prayer of the righteous is what? Powerful and effective. So Jesus is praying this prayer and saying this is, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. So therefore we can stand in what Isaiah says in the, the, the start of the great prophets when Isaiah was told this by God. And this is what God says to Isaiah in 59, 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I've put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth. Nor from the mouth. Here's the amazing thing. This is what God declares to Isaiah nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants, descendants, says the Lord. From this time and forevermore, the sanctifying work of the word will make a stand in the word. And this section concludes with John, Jesus' prayer. Just simply says, what I've done and all that's been done for me and all that I've chosen and all that I've submitted to so will you. He just says, as you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. If Jesus has prayed it, we can know and stand and know, so it shall be. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast here at Hope United Church. If you'd like to get in touch or for any more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk.